stories work? How do they function? Which ones do it best? Two aspiring storytellers, Kayla and Ron, analyze all that and more over at W.T. Fada's new sister show, What's the Story? So if you can't get enough of the W.T. Fada network, then dive on in with us as we analyze the structure and art of storytelling. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, and other listening platforms. Come on over. We can't wait to share our stories with you. This is the first one of the pre-recorded shows we did because we knew we were going to Ireland. Uh, at this point, we're going to Ireland next week. Um, so, uh, yeah, we have uh, content planned so that we don't have to worry about the show while we're there. It's like a month-long trip that we're going on. So Lots of pre-recorded episodes. Yeah, so it's weird because there's actually an episode that we're going to do when we're on the plane that's going to be posted before these three, mm. which is going to be really weird, but it's all right. I'm excited about the trip, though. It's going to be fun. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I hope we get lots of legroom, lots of space. Yeah. Maybe. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, as long as, realistically, as long as there's rum and cokes for you, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Ramen coast in the window seat. Yeah? Then I'll be good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we can work that out. That's not, that's not a problem. We can do I didn't that. think it would be. No. Yeah. We're no. fine. <laughs> How you doing, John? I'm doing well. We should we should probably officially say welcome to the this would be the sixtieth episode. Is it sixty? Yeah, because yeah, we got that one that's going to be coming out before this. There's 59. Which is 60. Yeah. So this wow. is the first one that we're doing. We're going to do like three, maybe four pre-recorded. So yeah, this would work out to be 60. It's crazy. Yeah. It's good, man. I get anxious before flights, though. So I'm like jittery right now. just thinking about it. Yeah. It's a long flight over international waters. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've done it before. Have you gone to Ireland before? I have not. Unfortunately, no. What's it like? Couldn't tell you. I've never oh. been. I didn't know that John had been to Ireland before. That's cool. Anyways. Um, what's your week been like, man? Nothing new. No? Nope. Same old trip. <clears throat> same old, same old. Yeah, it's been rough. A rough week. Working. <laughs> you know, the daily grind. Yeah. Ah, 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 ah. Seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> if you drink seltzer, one of the things you got to realize is how easily disturbed the carbonation is. So you can't, like, gently walk with a, with a seltzer beverage closed mm. and not open it moments later and have it explode everywhere. And you decide to eat beef jerky as a snack. Yeah, I keep in mind how long it takes to fucking chew this shit. Oh, yeah. Talk, I'm like, Jesus, I, I just want to finish this so I can say something. That's good because it's like you're burning calories while you're eating. Mm. It's, like, it's like a good, it's a double whammy. If you have that and cucumber, 
be all right. You said the cucumber helps burn calories. Like it's the it's one of the only foods that like will actually you you eat it and you wind up with less calories. I heard that about celery, too. Really? Yeah. I wonder if I have that mixed up. Yeah. I maybe I do. You, maybe. I don't I like celery though. Celery like my whole life. Yeah, I don't like celery either. I'm so if you're gonna eat it for that purpose, kind of defeats the purpose of like eating it with other things it's like cream cheese. Yeah. Peanut butter. I got to admit, though, when I was at my Uncle Tom's one time, they had cream cheese filled celery. I was like, all right. right? I was like, all right, cool. I picked it up, started eating it. Got like halfway through and I almost puked. Really? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it was weird. Very unusual. Usually you say cheese and eating, Mm -hmm. and I'm aroused. That's not what happened that day. Well, it's like. (laughs) <laughs> the cream cheese gets eaten like way before the celery's finished. You chew on the celery for a lot longer, so it's like you get the initial cream cheese, which is delicious. And right. That's gone. You just chew on celery for the next like five minutes, and it's like, well, fuck this. I'm gonna vomit. Yeah. <laughs> this episode not brought to you by celery. No, not at all. Or cucumbers. Or cucumbers. I'm trying to think of like different things that have gone on this week that I wanted to talk about, because. There's been some stuff. There's been some stuff going down. There's been some shit, man. Yeah. I don't know what, though. Isn't it funny? Isn't, isn't that a funny thing? It is a funny thing. It's a hilarious thing. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. The whole... the, the Everything is moving so fast that it's hard for me to keep track of uh, anything that is... Uh... Happening in the outside world? No, I just can't do it. I posted the other day about how Cats is coming to HBO on October 10th, <laughs> so we should all be very excited about that. Dude, the first release of Cats nearly killed us. Just trying to like put the nail in the coffin now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's gonna be cool. I'm excited to. Uh, I'm excited to rewatch it in the privacy of my own home, where I can take I my pants kidding. off and. I really hope you're kidding. <laughs> you know what? I might actually watch it again. Just just to. Just to make sure that I was right in thinking that it was the greatest movie ever, because the, in retrospect, I kind of see the flaws. <laughs> if you need to watch it again to figure out that it's not the greatest movie ever made, then by all means. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I was reading the list of like upcoming HBO Max releases, and I'm I'm being honest now. HBO Max is a wonderful, wonderful service from a company that I don't own stock in and uh, I really enjoy all of their content but I was looking at what they were like touting as like releasing in October and it's like if you're going to put cats on your streaming service don't advertise that Yeah. don't tell people it's going to be there you don't want to deter people from signing up you know mm. it's a bad look it's a bold move adding it though it is yeah. Mm. Think so? Yeah. I don't know if they're banking on the kind of cult following that, like, awful movies have. Where people are like, oh, I'll watch Cats. Yeah. I yeah, know. I don't know how many... I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a lot of people that might have a morbid curiosity, like, to, to look at, like, an autopsy of Cats, you know? like, And they, they don't want to pay money to actually go see it in the theater or rent it. But if they already are subscribed... Then they might be like, well, let's see how fucking stupid this is, you know. 
might be the only audience that you're going to get for Cats because I think it's almost like uh, like Fan Four Stick, that that Fantastic Four reboot that they made. Mm-hmm. Like nobody went to see it, nobody fucking cared, but like <laughs> it was on streaming services and like people did watch it. You know, and a lot of people were like, "This is fucking dumb." Mm-hmm. You know, one hundred percent was. I was like, you see a movie come out in theaters, and you're like, I'll just wait for it to go DVD or Netflix. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, really pay, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, you only want, like, a percentage of what you pay to go towards the fucking, um... Right. To go towards the product, you know? I remember seeing Fantastic Four, that Fan-Forestic one, and, like, what a, like, what a fucking horrible horrible movie did you ever see that no oh god no oh it was like it was all exposition like it was just them getting their powers learning about their powers and then like randomly in the last 15 minutes dr doom showed up and was like i am the villain and they were like no way (laughs) and then they were like he's gonna end the world and everything got like super fever pitched really fast and then it ended. Right? Yeah, it was fucking horrible. It was so oddly structured. You know, I felt like I felt like that's similar to the way that that Godzilla movie was structured. Oh, like, I didn't like that at all. An either. hour and forty-five minutes of the movie, and then Godzilla shows up in the final ten minutes. Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck? Well, we were talking about plot twists on what's the story? Mm-hmm. Plug. And um, we were talking about how uh, Drew Barrymore. She was originally cast as Sidney Prescott, mm-hmm. right? And then, like, a, like I don't know, like a week or two before filming was supposed to start, she, like, went to Wes Craven. And she's like, she's like, hey, we need to talk. And he's like, what, what is it? What's wrong? And he thought she was going to drop out of the movie. But she was like, okay, you know the girl in the beginning? And he was like, yeah. And he's like, the one that, she's like, the one that gets killed. And he was like, uh-huh. And she was like, I need to play her. And he was like, why? What are you talking about? And she was like, because, look, I'm a, I'm a, like, a, I'm a rising star, right? I'm a bankable face. Like, people know me. And, like, people expect me to be the lead. So, like, you make me on the poster, I have the biggest face, and you put me in the trailers, and you make it seem like I am the lead. And then when you sit people down in theaters, we start doing, you know, we, we, we open with me, and they're expecting me to be the lead character, and then I fucking don't make it out of the first ten minutes, and then you set a precedent that nobody in the film is safe, you know? And he was, like, really resistant to it at first, and then all of a sudden he was like, you know what, you're fucking right. You're just right. So that's what they did. And it's fucking great. It's not a gimmick, you know? It really is designed for that purpose. It worked perfectly, right? However, Godzilla 2014... They show you Brian Cranston nonstop in the fucking trailers. And then when they kill him, it's not like, it's not the same thing. Like, Brian Cranston doesn't get killed, like, by Godzilla. Like, he just, like, randomly sacrifices himself. And, 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 and that's it. And then they give you Aaron Taylor Johnson, who I think is a good actor, but... There's a number of performances where I'm just like, holy fucking shit, this guy sucks. And Godzilla's one of them. Like, Godzilla was pretty bad. I wasn't that big of a fan of his Quicksilver and the Avengers movies. He was great in Nocturnal Animals. In Nocturnal Animals, he plays a fucking scumbag. And, uh, evil. Who's this again? 
Aaron Taylor Johnson. Was he in Kick-Ass? Yeah, he's good in Kick-Ass, too. Dude, I fucking love the Kick-Ass movies. Yeah, Kick-Ass, those are awesome. So, like, it's weird. He's just very inconsistent. Every once in a while, I see him in something, and I'm just like, this guy has a zero charisma. He was in Tenet as well. He was the uh, the soldier guy that oh, yeah. they met, like, towards the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah. But, yeah, and, like, sometimes he's great, and then other times I just feel like he's awful. I don't know what it, what it is about him. Mm. But Godzilla, I, I don't know if he was just, his character was written so thinly on the page because it's just like, well, you're just like a human character. We really care about the monster. But, like, if you care about the fucking monster, then focus on the monster. They just spent the entire movie following this completely uncharismatic marine that is married to his sister from that other movie. <laughs> really awkward shit going on in Godzilla. <laughs> a lot of things that it's just like, what the fuck? Why are we Godzilla, doing this? An incest story. Yes. And I also posted that, and, and since I posted this, James Gunn has um, clarified his statements. Um, but he was talking about how HBO Max, again, more HBO Max content, uh, they're getting a Peacemaker series. And Peacemaker is a character originally appearing in Charlton Comics, and they sold off all their superheroes to DC at one point. Now Peacemaker is going to be in the Suicide Squad, played by John Cena. John Cena. Mm-hmm. And now he's getting his own spin-off show. And what I said was, well, I guess Peacemaker makes it out of the Suicide Squad. But James Gunn has now gone on record and said, um, we're not revealing the timeline of the Peacemaker series just yet. Trying to keep it up in the air. But I mean, you know, they're not going to fucking kill John Cena. Like if they can have the if they can have Peacemaker come back in more Suicide Squad movies, I, I feel like he'll he'll make it out. I know absolutely shit about Peacemaker. I don't know much at all. No idea. I love the the way that they've described him. They they're saying that in the Suicide Squad, he's essentially a douchebag Captain America, and I'm like that. That's John Cena. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> he's been typecast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that idea and, like, the way even the description that they gave is, like, this is somebody that um, believes in peace by any means necessary. So, like, he'll fucking murder people, <laughs> whatever he has Maybe, to do yeah. to keep the peace. And I'm like, that's... Like, sounds like Catholics. Yeah, it's very political. It's very political. Sounds like Catholics. Sounds like the U.S. Like, God, I want you to love everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking... Yeah. God also told me to fucking rip you apart. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I, the wolves. I, I, uh, everything I'm seeing about the Suicide Squad looks so fucking interesting. Like, like, the first movie, obviously it didn't land. We talked about it on the show. It, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But this one, number one, James Gunn is a great director. I said the same thing about David Ayer, though. And I do think that David Ayer is a great director. I just think that the studio got way in the fucking way while he was making his movie. Mm-hmm. But you got James Gunn, who's a great director, and he's really good with misfit characters, you know? So you start, like, rolling out the Suicide Squad lineup, and you're like, okay, well, we got Harley, of course. We got Captain Boomerang. Don't have Deadshot. Will Smith didn't want to do it. Um... So you got, like, those mainstay heavy hitters, and then you start looking around, and it's like they got fucking Javelin, Peacemaker, character called Weasel, the fucking Polka Dot Man, 
is an old school Batman villain that like, what are the fucking odds that you're ever going to get the polka dot man on screen? And they fucking have the polka dot man in the Suicide Squad. I wish and he's, I was able to appreciate that as much as it's. <laughs> you make it seem like I should. <laughs> like it's, it just like seems like a such a weird like character. It is. That's the thing. Is like when you like the the Batman villains. It's like you have your A list, your B list, your C list, and then like your D list, the bottom of the barrel. And Polka Dot That's Man polka is dot down man. there. Yeah, and it's just crazy. He's in the movie, and he's played by uh, I forget what his first name is. I think it's like Darren. Maybe it's Darren Destmalchian. He's um. Oh, he was he was in The Dark Knight as uh, Thomas Schiff, who Harvey Dent was, like, torturing in that alleyway. And then also he's been in the Ant-Man movies, and he was in Prisoners. Like, he's a fucking good actor. Who, I think I figure who this guy is. He, you'll, you'll recognize him as soon as you see him. But he's a fucking great actor, and he's playing the polka dot, man. And I just could not be happier about this. What's his name again? David Das. Oh, yeah. Is it David? David Desmaltine? I don't know if I said that correctly. I th- I'm trying to think if I'm... I want to make sure that I'm... Yeah, that's him. Yeah, David Desmaltine, um, as the polka dot man. And, like, his... Like, the costume, they don't even make apologies. It literally is <laughs> the fucking costume from the comics. He looks like a fucking dumbass. And it's amazing. I'm so excited. That's fucking awesome. Oh, I'm, I'm like, I'm blown away. Like, the, the, the deep cuts that they're making with that roster, it's fucking fantastic, you know? Oh, yeah. This guy looks familiar. I like that we're at a point now where we've embraced the silliness of comics on film. And not in a way that's disparaging. Like, like when they did, like, the 60s Batman show, it was like they were making fun of it. Like, obviously making fun of it. But now it's just they're, like... They're like, no, the polka dot man, like, this is what he looked like in the comics, and that's what he's going to look like in the movie, and we're going to make you think he's cool. That's that's the challenge, you know? And I feel like that mentality is one that I really appreciate, you what, know? What's his superpower? Okay, so the polka dots that are on his suit can come off of his suit, and they can turn into various weapons. So, like, if he had a black polka dot, he could throw it, and it might land on the ground and turn into, like, a vortex that you would fall through. Or he would have one that he could throw, and it would land on a wall, and then it would be an explosive, and it would blow up. Now, what dictates the weapon that it changes into? We don't know. Uh, Whatever the writer needs him to accomplish at Uh, any given moment. (laughs) (laughs) So, if they need to make a quick escape, he can just be like, bam, and it turns into a plane, and they're gone. Yeah. That's actually kind of a cool superpower. I mean, a little I bit, mean, right? I like mean, a, I don't know. <laughs> it's like a utility belt for, like, whatever the fuck you want. Yes. <laughs> Look at all the polka dots all over that guy. He's a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird... It's a, it's a, It definitely is a weird character. But oh, I'm man. just blown away that he's coming to screens, you know? Mm. just seems completely out there. And that cast is amazing. Uh, Nathan Fillion, I believe, from everything I, I've seen, they might have changed his name from his original comic character, but this dude can this dude can pull off his arms and beat people with his arms. And then just put it back? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Or grow a new one. It's fucking weird. Yeah. It's just crazy shit, like SpongeBob SquarePants. I think I'd rather be Polka Dot Man, to be honest. Polka Dot Man seeming pretty sweet right now, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he is looking pretty fucking cool. <laughs> it's getting more appealing by the moment. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm unreasonably excited about that. Maybe that'll be my Halloween costume this year. The polka dot man? It's easy. Oh, I'd fucking yeah. We should you should do the polka dot man and I already have the Riddler mask from the Batman trailer. So nice. we'll be all DC'd up. Yeah. It's a good With move. Nowhere to go or anything to do because of COVID. Uh, yeah. That's okay. We'll just be walking around this park dressed up mm. as super villains. Yeah. I mean, you'll look more like a super villain than I would. That Riddler outfit, that mask, that that thing is fucking spooky. Mm. That is a spooky mask. It's like halfway between, like a well, it, I don't know. Like it feels very much like a gimp mask, like the 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 gimp from Pulp Fiction. It's very eerie. Uh huh. It feels great to wear, though. I got to be honest. Is it comfy? Yes, you because feel... it's all like caught. It's it's a it's a U.S. military surplus um, uh, extreme cold weather mask. So the inside of it is all like um, like heavy cotton padding and wool, mm-hmm. almost. So you put it on, and it's like you're wearing a, a sweater for your face. You know, it's nice. Yeah, it's actually nice. really nice. Hmm. I don't know, man. What do you think? I feel like I don't have much to talk about. Me neither. Yeah. Want to jump um, into the topic, or? Well, just one more thing. Um, All right, a deep. Here we go. Good news for Resident Evil fans. Netflix announced a uh, CGI film based Ooh. on uh, Leon and Claire from the from the second game, and obviously they go on to play, make appearances in other Resident Evil games. But yeah, I've seen um, I've seen like poster arts and you mm. know just like screenshots from the film, and it looks. Pretty good. I don't know. Like they've had CGI Resident Evil films before. I watched that were all right, but yeah. Um, I hope it's not too much of a deviation from what the games, the earlier games, tried to accomplish because it's gone like a complete 180. Like yeah. the, the the new Resident Evil game that's coming out for the PS5 that might come out for the PS4. They announced maybe, but it just gets like further and further away from like you know. I don't know how much you followed like Resident Evil at all. But it started out just zombies in a mansion, and then you find out there's a lab that, like, created them, blah, blah, and it just goes on to, like, these, like, mutant werewolves and shit, like, from timeline yeah. where it started all the way to here. Completely well, different game. It feels almost like when they did the movie adaptation, they awful. they fucked it up. Dude, awful. Yeah. So bad. And that's what kind of caused the the change in the video game, is the ideas that they brought in the movie. Yeah, I'm sure. that's I haven't, like piece it together but i'm sure that had something to do with it yeah i don't know they completely just made up a character and like made her the alice uh, right yeah made her the, the main character of the movie which honestly like the first one that i, I the first movie that came out i i enjoyed it for what it was mm-hmm. and then the rest of them just completely awful but, yeah i like mia jovovich a lot it's mm. just you kind of wish that uh like whenever, whenever a lot of times when Hollywood adapts things, they don't do it with reverence. They do it with like disdain. They're mm. like, "Oh yeah, well they they tried to do this, but we're gonna fix it." You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like you don't like no. The whole reason that this is being turned into a movie is because it was wildly successful. So like, pay attention to what made it good. There's a horrible thing that happens when you move like certain things to other mediums, and you have a bunch of people that think they know better. Yeah. Well, I think they were talking about rebooting it in a way and, yeah uh mila the, the woman who played alice was like 
against it. She was like, oh, all the people that were working on it are so passionate about Resident Evil and what it stands for and blah, blah. I'm like, no, they no. weren't. No, the fuck they weren't. Because if they were, it wouldn't have made those piece of shit films that you, you, you starred in. Yeah, they're passionate about their version of Resident yeah. Evil. You might as well just slap a different name on it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're making a CGI film. Looks like it has potential to be good. Yeah. So, if you're a fan of the fan of the games, definitely got something to check out. So, it's come sometime next year. Didn't say one, though. Yeah. But. What's good is they don't have to worry about filming exactly. anything. It's just animators awesome. hanging out. Yeah. Probably could work remote if they have the right tools, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, Actually, I have one more thing to talk about. Um, so not only has the Batman picked up production, but apparently, despite what has been said, they're going to be shooting on location again, which is fucking exciting. Wow. Yeah. So they're, go they're prepping downtown Liverpool to double as downtown Gotham. Nice. And they're getting ready to get back into it, which is exciting. COVID ain't gonna beat us. Fuck COVID. It's not even real. You don't need to wear a mask. It's made up by the government. They're trying to rig the election. Yeah. Goddamn the Russians. In on it. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Everyone that's dying. <sighs> they always fake their deaths. Actors. They're actors. They're all actors. They're crisis actors. Mm hmm. Same people that pass from COVID you'll see in every other big tragedy and disaster and pandemic yeah. to come. Mm -hmm. I mean, the same people. Same people. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's all just bullshit. This, this is conversation is bullshit. Don't believe what we're saying right now. COVID's very real. Wear a mask. Save your neighbors. No, right. dude. They're just trying to microchip us. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. They just want to make a vaccine and they want to microchip us. That's they, would, they, would, they wouldn't do it in all the required vaccines that we get when we're younger to go to school. They didn't have the technology. Yeah. They couldn't. I mean, they're still doing it. You know, they're still back, you know, giving people vaccines and stuff mm -hmm. getting yeah. to school, but they're not going to microchip us then. No, they want to no. do it now. Yeah. Well, that's what they're going to do is they're going to, they're, they're working on this thing where they, the microchip that they put in us, not, it traces, you know, it can track us, right? But also they're going to convert all of our money to that microchip. Mm. So when you pay for something, you like wave your arm in front of the thing yeah. and that's how you pay for it. So you don't actually have physical money anymore. Right? You have fake virtual money. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you don't play by the rules and you cause a disturbance, all they have to do is press a button and you no longer have money. That's yeah. how they're going to control you. They're doing that with the microchips, man. That's the only way to do it. That's how they're starting. Yeah. And China's already ahead of the game because they've already started the social credit system. You heard about yeah. that? All right. Now we're going from me just making fun of all this to like the stuff that you're talking about. That stuff is kind of legit because I've seen them do the microchips. I've seen it. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. The the social credit system, they had an episode That's of Black too. Mirror that is fucking about that and mm -hmm. what it's going to do to people. But they actually are doing that in yeah. China. They've, I, I believe that they've launched it. Mm -hmm. I know that they've talked about launching it. But it's basically like you, we rate you on how good you are and that determines how you get treated. Really fucking weird. But like you have to like... What does the government think is good? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you speak your mind, does that mean that your your credit goes down? And right. because your credit went down, then you can't live anymore? You know what I mean? That's a slippery fucking... That's scary shit. You got an entire country full of hostages. 
I don't, yeah, out of all people. <laughs> Crazy. Out of all people to be setting the standard of what's good and what's bad, the government is going to tell me. I know. Biggest fucking thieves. Yeah. Around here. Listen, I don't fucking trust those motherfuckers as much as the rest of the people here. No. But it doesn't mean I'm going to go around to be like, COVID's fake. No. I think it is real. I, I think know so. It's real, and but I think it is being taken advantage of. Yeah, and I do think some of the stuff. See, that's why it's important just to not immediately dismiss people who sound fucking wild with their conspiracy theories, dude. <laughs> you gotta listen to everyone because they. I feel like the extremes on both ends, kind of like the people that are just like reasonable about all this. Like, all right, I can take both these arguments in consideration, right? And then like you know make like an educated like opinion on it. Well, it's like if there was somebody that was like a religious, like kind of fanatic, and he killed his wife. And then he's like, God said that if I killed her, he was going to bring her back. I wasn't actually trying to murder her. Some people would think that he sounds crazy. But I would give that dude the chance. I would say, you know what? Maybe you just made a mistake, man. <laughs> and you were great in Harry Potter. So all those things. <laughs> That's where I recognize him. <laughs> he's lost a little weight. <laughs> I think his eyes got closer together. <laughs> he's like he's like one of those little so, fish. Yes. Yeah, it's just like yeah. he's... <laughs> Cute. Yeah, I know. But yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. It is, uh, you gotta be real careful about what you're taking in Mm. and what you're believing at any given moment. It's like, okay, you can listen to all these things, but at the end, you gotta kind of like measure it all out with common sense, you know, Mm. healthy bit of skepticism. I know we've had an episode on COVID conspiracy theories before, but I feel like we could just like a whole other episode talking about all this shit. We could. We could. It seems like it gets deeper. Yeah. It seems like it gets deeper. (sighs) All right, man. Want to throw to commercial? You ever watched Social Dilemma? No. Care about it? Netflix? No. No? No. I haven't haven't watched it either, but apparently it's about... (laughs) (laughs) You're like... (laughs) I thought you were going to be like, I haven't watched it either. And then just stop. (laughs) No. Um... No, it's about all, like, the crazy shit that, like, our um, our phones do. Yeah. With tracking us and everything and, it's like, the patterns. dirty. I was listening to uh, that episode uh, of the Joe Rogan Experience that he did with Eric, uh, Eric Snowden recently. Like, the yeah, yeah. One. And he was talking about, like, they, 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 they keep a check on, like, your patterns on, like, when you wake up and when you fall asleep and, you know, just, like, scrolling and stuff. And I, Did I talk about this in the last episode? I think no. I mentioned it. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. But it's just like tracks activity and stuff like that. I don't know. A lot of weird stuff. But apparently this, this show, I don't know if it's a show or a movie, whatever, dives into all the shit that the phones get from us. And a lot of people are posting about it being like, damn, I kind of just want to like get rid of my phone. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, but like if you get rid of your phone, how are you going to do anything? Well, I mean... The, the most important, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the most Fuck, important dude. one. You know, we're gonna have to bring back the um, Playboy magazines, just right? Stock up on them. Just good old fashioned dead trees. Yeah. Give me With some wood. On them. Yeah. That's what I want. Give me wood. You give me wood, I'll give you wood. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more of this screen bullshit. Yeah. This, this, these digital lovers. I don't know what's going on anymore. I don't either. I think I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, you ruined it. We could have ended on a high note, and you brought us into the gutter. I, I hope you understand. Yes, you did. 
Yes, you did. The truth, man. You started talking to me about phones. I'm being woke. You started talking to me about phones. You knew it was only a matter of time before I started talking about porn. You knew. It's entrapment, brother. <laughs> I set the trap. Not my fault you walked into it. I took the bait. You did. You're the bait. Who's the shooter? Am I a model? Johnny boy. What the fuck are we talking about? We're going to be talking about the devil all the time. Oh, I thought we were just talking about the devil. I was going to say he's my favorite superhero. Well, we are talking about him all the time. We talk about the devil all the time. Every episode of this show, we talk about the devil. It's subtle. If you're not paying attention, you don't realize how heavily satanic this show actually is. Mm. But it, it sneaks up on you, you know? Can't help it when you're a satanist like we are. Yeah, and not like... Flexile. Not like good Satanists. Like, there's good Satanists that don't hurt. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, real dark shit. Like, I'm talking about, you know, sacrifices in the woods and big fires and, you know, like, very, very primal, ritualistic uh, horror is what it is. Um, Just in search of there being, you know, some type of meaning in it, you know? Like, if if we can... experience enough suffering, you know, eventually, like, it will mean something, you know, but so far, it doesn't mean anything, but I'm going to keep trying. Yeah, we take that leap of faith anyway. Yeah, because that's, we're not quitters, so. Hell no. If you guys want to hang out with us in the woods sometime, be happy to have you. You can have a picnic. A little picnic. A little picnic. Booze, you mm-hmm. pick it up. Yeah. Mm. There was something in my drink. <laughs> <laughs> I just took a sip of my drink and was like, what's in there? Fucking hate this place. <laughs> <laughs> I think God Super put real. a bug in my drink yeah. because I was talking about my affiliations. Yeah. It's not, it's not fair. I'm not a bad person. I just do morally questionable things. <laughs> all right, John. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking about The Devil All the Time, which is the new film now streaming on Netflix. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect going into this one because I've seen things about Tom Holland doing this movie. And then when you brought it up, I, I, you know, did a quick search and I'm like, all right, let's see what this movie's about. And I saw the cast and I'm like, damn, there's some heavy hitters there. Mm -hmm. And I got really excited for it and I didn't dive into it much more because I like to go into the movies with, you know, minimal expectations if I can because it, I feel like it enhances the experience there. Right. And wow. I I don't have a, I don't have words for this movie. No? It's depressing. It's depressing? Yeah. But Uh. it's not didn't really send out a message that we didn't already know. No. No. It was pretty much just highlighting. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that there are, there are some, uh, what's, the, what's the words? What are the words? The words? What did he say? He said there's some, some, some scummy people everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, some low-down, like rotten sons of bitches. Yeah, some low-down, rotten yeah. sons of bitches. Yeah, yeah. No, about, it's, it's like, uh, it's About a hundred. Yeah, Roughly. Yeah. Roughly speaking, proud to be counted among. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, Nine, two of them are here. So yes. Ninety-eight. Yes. Yeah, Ninety-eight others, just like us. Um, 
Yeah, I uh, I have like a like a real uh, love affair with this type of movie, like strong. So I saw the trailers, and I was like, all right, this seems like it's definitely up my alley. And then I sat down to watch this. I was 11 minutes in, and I was like, this is the best fucking movie I've ever seen in my life. Really? I was like, I, I fucking love this fucking thing. It, it's not, it's not like a, it's not a, um, it's not like a conscious thing. It's not something where I'm like quantifying it in any way. It's more of like a thing that it's just like the personal appeal mm. to me is super fucking high. You got like so many different things happening uh, all at once. Everybody has their hand in some type of like terrible dark pot, you know, more of a cauldron, mm-hmm. you know, and like I liked its disparity. Like I'm watching it and I'm like, how, how did what what do these things have to do with one another? Yeah, you no, know? I, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, um, you have different characters and they kind of show they kind of gloss over how a couple characters meet and they go into like, a little bit about them and they kind of just move along and like all right, like this clearly. These, these people are important, and they're connected in some way. So, like, I, I enjoyed how they started off the movie with that. Right. And I'm like, we're going to see how they all come together. Yeah. And, like, you know, as it kind of, I kind of, like, put together where certain pieces would connect there. Yeah. So, and it's, it's kind of cool to see it fold. I guess the, the, the book is, the, the movie's based on the book by Donald Ray Pollock, who of also... the same name? What's that? Is the book the same name? Yes. Okay. And... Uh, Donald Ray Pollock is actually the narrator of oh, yeah. the movie. Um, he had a fucking great voice. He really like set the tone perfectly. Mm. Um, but I love the way that like the characters are written. Like uh, there's that wh- wh- where I really started to feel like holy shit, this is fucking special. Is he's talking about uh, Bill Skarsgård meeting the woman that's going to become his wife, mm-hmm. and then. Um, Jason Clark meeting Riley Coe. And the moment where the narrator's describing, like, you know, showing them meet each other. And, you know, it's an arguably sweet scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, oh, you're a photographer? Because he has the camera. And he's and she's like, what do you take pictures of? And he's like, um, something to the effect of, like, only, I only take pictures when I see somebody with a smile pretty enough to take a picture of. You know, and it's like, oh, that's really like cute. Like, there's like a little bit of chemistry there, and then, uh, he the the narrator says like years later he would call her bait. She would call him shooter, and they would call their victims models. And that moment was like, whoa, holy shit! I know. Shit. When I heard that, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that is fucking great stuff because. They don't. He's not. He's not telling you exactly what they're doing, what they're going to do. But it's just that one. That it's a perfectly structured moment. Like just that one <clears throat> sentence that fucking freaks you out. You know. Yeah, because you got this is their essential first time meeting. Right. And it's like I always wonder like how like you have you have couples who like get together and they do shit like that. And I'm like, how do you find <coughs> someone like that? Like there was especially back just then, pure blind there, dumb luck. Yeah, there wasn't no like <laughs> mingle back then. You know, no. where you just go online and be like, hey, I like to bait people in and murder them. Like, yeah, hey, me too. I like to take pictures of suffering. Not saying that that's what goes on in Christian mingle. That was just an example of some like dating type thing. We have things in common, but it's it like, does though. But like, how do you? Imagine, like, meeting someone 
And then, like, how does that come up in conversation? Yeah, I don't like, know. How do you figure out that you have a mutual interest in doing that? <laughs> All of my relationships end at a certain point where I've, like, I've let them too far in. They're yeah. like, okay, you're crazy. And uh -huh. I'm like, I just, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, like, that whole, that whole moment is, like, perfectly put together. There's something, like, it's, it's weird, like, the, the way that it's, the way that it's written, it, there's so much, like, destiny and fate in this movie, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, dude, the, okay, so these two are going to go off on a killing spree, and the last person they're going to try to victimize is going to kill them, and that person is going to be the son of these two people that met on the other side of the fucking diner. Mm -hmm. Like, that is trippy fucking Twilight Zone lost shit, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, the, the interconnectivity of all of that. Um, <clears throat> I think that's super cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I can't, I really can't say enough good about the movie. I, I, I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. I like dark things and I like depressing things, you know? I, I it like, Anytime you watch something and it makes your wife feel better by comparison, it's a good, it's <laughs> yeah, a good yeah. thing. It's a good feeling. Mm -hmm. I can watch something like this and like walk out like I've just seen a Disney movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I fucking, I, I dug the shit out of this. And basically, like, it, this movie casts like a pretty wide net where it's like, okay, we have, you know, Riley Coe and Jason Clark are you know, budding serial killers. Bill Skarsgård is coming back from the war in the South Pacific, World War II, where he's seen some fucking horrifying shit, the, the crucified uh, Miller there. Uh, that was that was grotesque right mm. off the bat. It didn't take long to start with, like, disturbing as fuck imagery. Right, that right. one was pretty fucking intense. Um, then the fact that they did the seven moment, like the sloth victim, like... From, like, you remember in Seven, mm -hmm. the sloth victim, they find him, like, tied to the bed, mm -hmm. and they think he's dead. And he's still alive. And then it's like, yeah. Dr. Cox is like, you got what you deserved. And then the guy's like, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> um, they did the same thing here, where they kind of, like, think that this person's dead, and they, like, say his name off of his, uh, off of his dog tag. It's hanging on the bottom of the cross, and then that dude, like, coughs himself awake. It's just, like, pure fucking horror. Um, Bill Skarsgård has to shoot him um, but yeah he like goes home from there and he meets his future wife in the same diner that Riley Coe and Jason Clark are meeting in and then they wind up buying a house and they have a son um, so that th those two stories are kind of like kicking things off as well as the story of like the up and coming uh, Sebastian Stan uh, he's a, like a deputy, I think at the time we meet him, you know, and he's going to run for sheriff. Um, getting jerked off in his police cruiser. Getting jerked off in his police cruiser. By someone who's presumably married, right? Like she's, keeps saying she wants to get out of her home or something. Yeah, I couldn't the... tell. I, I wasn't sure if that was the case or if she was young. I oh, also really? had the idea that like maybe she was like living at home with her folks you know oh, trying know. to escape that and like he was the route yeah. out of there it would definitely being secretive yeah yeah the, police the thing with the cup was weird yeah, yeah, yeah. that was really strange 
And I mean, I guess it's an elegant solution to a to a serious dilemma. I always just go whip, and it just goes wherever. Yeah, yeah. When I'm done, <laughs> so I'm a fucking animal. Uh, <laughs> Did you get it all in the cup? Did nice. you get it all in the cup? And then they just throw it out. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, pretty weird. Pretty weird stuff. Savages, man. Back in the what the 1960s. Savages. This was like in the this was like the 40s at this point. This was earlier. Was it? Yeah, because they jump ahead. Well, no, it would have been like 1952. 50s, yeah. Yeah, something like 50s, that. 60s. Yeah. Uh, at that point. Um, so yeah, that's like where we start off, but then it like spirals out into like a generational story <clears throat> because the son that Bill Skarsgård, um, Willard. Willard and his wife Charlotte have um, basically we kind of watch him grow up and turn into Tom Holland Mm -hmm. and then Tom Holland his okay when Willard first comes back from the war Willard's mother is trying to set him up with this girl who's Helen I believe her name Helen whose family died in a fire Um, but Helen he doesn't have any any attraction towards her, um, but Helen winds up finding this dude that like preaches at the church. That's a fucking lunatic. Um, Crazy how people can just be manipulated by someone with a loud voice and confidence. Yeah, I always find that if you really want to like steal a woman's heart, you got to dump a jar of spiders all over your fucking head. Yeah, it that's always the way works. To do it. Always Good works. The go-to so move. Yeah, and I am single. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Please put the jar down. What's that? There's no one watching, Ron. Put the jar down. <laughs> don't, I, I don't get in the way, John. I'm trying to seduce my audience. Um, <laughs> so, which is again like 78% male. Um, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, so they they wind up the this this you know over the top. Preacher Man and Mia Wasikowski, who plays Helen, um, wind up having a daughter, right? And then that's Lenore. And Lenore gets left with with Willard's mother one day to be looked after while they take, like, a hike. They take a hike, and it's not revealed there. It's just, again, one of those narrator moments where the narrator sort of, like, just alludes to what's going to happen. It's like, oh, that's fucked. It's like, you know, little did she know it was the last time she would ever see Lenore. They'd find her body buried in the woods seven years later, right? It's like, holy shit. Kind of saw that one coming. Yeah, I mean, that dude's nuts. Yeah. That dude's fucking crazy. They go back into why he does what he does, and it's like he he got bit by a spider on the head, which I guess is like a is a that's something that can happen when you dump a jar of spiders on your head, which is mm. unusual. I don't feel like I would draw that conclusion, but I guess I had to suspend my disbelief a little bit. I don't feel like if you dumped a jar of spiders on your head, you'd be in any particular danger. Um, but anyways, he got bit by a spider, um, and his head swelled up the size of a pumpkin. And they didn't give us the opportunity to see that shit. He just stood in a closet. I was pretty pissed weeks. off about it. I was pretty pissed off about it. I wanted to see. I wanted to see Pumpkinhead. I was ready. Um, and then he believes he gets a message from God in all of this like fever dream, fucking hallucination and darkness. 
And the message from God is that you were meant for greater things, and I'm going to fucking, I'm going to resurrect your wife if you murder her. And he's like, all right, cool. That's all I needed to hear. Thanks, God. And then he, like, takes his wife out in the woods, stabs her in the fucking throat with a screwdriver, and then she's, like, in complete disbelief, and the last fucking thing she says is Lenore yeah. calling out, for, like, thinking of her fucking daughter, and then she dies, and then he's all like, all right, here we go. Resurrect! Uh, shit. Maybe you know. if I say it louder. <laughs> Maybe if I say it. More conviction. Over over. Resurrect! Resurrect! Come on now, God. Don't be a joker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he starts to realize that, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God's always pulling them pranks. Yeah, uh, yeah I, uh, that, that scene was fucking horrible. Absolutely horrible. I was watching it, and I was just like, this is fucking sad as shit. It wasn't the worst one in the movie, though, in my opinion. I think I know what the worst one is, yeah. in your opinion. I think. <laughs> you probably do. Yeah. I think so. Another sacrifice in the movie. Oh. Oh. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Back up just a little bit. Well, because those stories are kind of happening in conjunction. They're fed to us at different times, but but they're happening happening kind of in conjunction. Mm -hmm. So this would be Charlotte has cancer, and Willard is taking his son out into the woods repeatedly. To pray. to pray. Yeah, another situation where it's like, if I yell loud enough at God, he's going to fix everything. Yeah. 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 And what do I have to do? And that other thing, like, again, the narration is, like, a very, very crucial, and, and it's a... Narration can be fucking dumb. See Blade Runner? One of the thousand cuts of Blade Runner? Um, or... It can be like an amazing, uh, an amazing tool for storytelling, telling, and layering. You know, in this case, it's amazing. And that moment uh, has the narrator talking about Willard's state of mind and him realizing that, like, sometimes God like tests people, and you know, wants you to sacrifice something in order to. Uh, save something else and in his mind he chooses the family dog is the sacrifice and it's just fucking terrible mm-hmm. it's just awful yeah he just grabs the dog and like you know what's gonna happen he feeds the dog and then boom yeah right behind the ear and fucking yelp and then poor Arvin this is who Tom Holland plays. Arvin hears the gunshot and the sound of the dog whimper and comes out and sees his father carrying the dog and mm-hmm. all of that. It's not revealed exactly what happens to the dog at first uh, until he goes and gets... Um, well, so, yeah, so we know that the dog's killed. And then shortly, like almost the next scene, just to highlight the senselessness of what happened, it's like the wife is in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, that work out for you. No. I d- don't make deals with God. Just never make a deal with God. Never make deals with the devil. Those are the only ones that work out. I'm telling you. It's the the, the path to light is into darkness. Um 
<laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> We're not actually like like heathens. Like I just want to be really clear. <laughs> you know? The devil did nothing wrong. No. Uh <laughs> so we see the funeral. We see Willard, like, make a half-assed attempt to talk about, like, I think we're going to go up and see your grandparents or what not, blah, blah, blah. And, like, his son's just like, nope, I'm fucking devastated. My dog's dead. My mom's dead. My dad killed my dog. You know? It's just all, it's all terrible. He goes up on the porch. Somebody left him a pie. He fucking mouch-housed the pie, which is reasonable, given the circumstances. Rubbed it all over his face, apparently. Yeah, he just stuck his head right in, in the pie, which is... <laughs> Like that, like a like a fucking like a like one of those like comedy moments where they the, the clown takes a cream pie and poof some that's what he looked like. Only it was like a cherry pie. You just like that. It was it was pretty That's how I prefer. I don't like utensils. No, you just go straight in. I like to eat like I'm at like an eating contest, like a competitive eating contest. That's how I like to eat. Like it's your last meal on earth ever. Like I've been at a restaurant one time and I've made eye contact with somebody across the room and they looked at me and I looked at them and then I like took a bite and then they took a bite and then I took another bite and they took another one and we didn't like break eye contact and then I was like, you want to fuck with me? And I just started fucking like as much as I, and I just, yeah, yeah, I ruined the night. A lot of people were mad. The point is, don't invite me to my nephew's birthday parties. I get yeah. That's why Ron and I don't go to eat anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, I've learned my lesson. I don't. They they don't. I don't know. They don't like me at Chuck E. Cheese anymore because I just I fucking I ate everything. I mean, I ate the plate. Like one of the glasses before they stopped me. It's it's a cup. It's not glass. It's plastic. But you know, the point stands. It was bad. It was a bad night. And all that pizza was recycled too. You could tell. The oh, slices, cardboard. the slices didn't match. Pepperonis were missing on like it would. Very odd. Look that up. That's a thing. That's a legit thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a real conspiracy theory. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> a lot of times it seems like I'm trailing off into nonsense talk, but I, I, there's always there's always a reason that I bring these things up. Look up, uh, look up. Chuck E. Cheese recycles their pizzas from other guests' pizzas. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, where were we? Oh yeah. So now, hold uh, on, hold on. Yeah. Speaking of like recycling pizza, recycling in general. Did you hear that story about? I think it was in Vietnam. The, uh, the condom making company. Oh no! I almost posted about that and then <laughs> forgot. Yes. Over like three hundred thousand used condoms that they've cleaned and then repackaged and sold. <laughs> First of all, that's what you get for using condoms. Second of all, <laughs> yeah. How do you? How do they find used condoms? Do they have like specific ways of disposing them where it's like, yeah? Use condoms, just throw them in here. We'll we'll get rid of them. No, like if you ever been walking through the parking lot, <laughs> yeah, well, that used condom. Yeah. That's what they do. It's like, oh, there's a used condom in an alleyway, and they're like, all right, cool, give me that. Yeah. And then they just rinse it off. <laughs> Christ. 
It's not a so very scientific. Gross, dude. That it's is not a... probably the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. It's not a very. Sorry I brought it up. <laughs> it's not a very scientific process. No. It's a very ramshackle condom operation. Yeah. Over there in Vietnam. <laughs> uh, why did you do this? I feel like it had to be brought up. I mean, I did read about that and I was just like, this is shocking. And completely expected. <laughs> <laughs> this is just the kind of thing that they would do. Uh, fuck. <sighs> Condom manufacturers, not not Vietnamese people. Um, save money. Save a lot of money. Yeah, uh, I don't know. What a what a fucking disturbing story, though. <laughs> what what is that? How do you know if you even have it? Like, like. I, mean, I guess it doesn't matter, but like the inside out, or right side in, like what uh, side of the, I don't know. It's, I mean, presumably they're clean, but I don't really think that that's possible. I didn't read the story. I always cut out the middleman because, you know, if the condom companies are going to clean and rinse off the condoms and repackage them and sell them back to you, then like, why, why pay the extra money? Like, I just, just rinse my myself. condoms yeah. off. And I go again, you know. That's how I do it. It's foolproof. I have one condom. There's no way that could go wrong. I have one condom in my wallet that I've had since I was like twelve. That's the same one that I've always used, Old Faithful. Still going strong, huh? Yeah, after all these years. A lot of holes in it, though. Really dry. <laughs> Elastic's worn out. It's like an old pair of pajamas. <laughs> It's like that sock that like your toe keeps poking out of. You just don't want to get rid of it. Oh, it's like sentimental. Oh, got a lot of miles on it. I regret bringing that up. <laughs> I like that we have a very family-oriented show. <laughs> it's fun for everybody. Um... Back to the devil. You ruined me. All the time. I didn't do anything. You ruined me. I brought up the article. You just went, you took it and ran with it, man. <laughs> I can't help it. You ran into the end zone for a touchdown and just kept running. I did. <laughs> I feel like the, like, I feel like the points increase the further past the field you get. So if you wind up in the parking lot, six points, bullshit. Like, you get in the parking lot, you're entitled to, like, at least nine. Plus the field goal kick. Which you have to take from the parking lot. It's a lot harder. Yeah. You, you can't get the 10. No, it sucks. But, um, yeah, what, what the fuck were we talking about here? <laughs> so, yeah, so Willard makes the half-ass apology, Kid eats the, the pie, and then... <coughs> he wants to give... What's his name? It's, he hates what's dog. his dog's name? Is it... Jack? Jack. It is Jack, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. We'll go with that. You might be wrong. Yeah. So he wants to go get Jack. 
give him a proper burial. When he said take him down, I'm like, what the fuck is this dog? Well, when he said take him down, I just thought he meant like from the hill. That's what I thought too. That's all I was thinking. I didn't think anything like weird, sinister was going. But he says, I want to take you down and give you a proper uh, burial. I just almost said vehicle. <laughs> you a proper burial, dog. just like mom. And I was like, all right, well. He goes up in the woods, finds his dad slumped over, like, praying. And then he's like, I'm not praying anymore, you hear me? You hear me? me? I ain't doing that stuff no more. And then his dad falls over, and you realize that his dad's offed himself mm. in front of his crucifix that he had built in the woods here. And then <clears throat> little Arvin goes down the road to, like, a gas station. And when he's at the gas station... Uh, well, the gas station attendant calls the deputy that Sebastian Stan plays. The deputy shows up, and uh, Arvin brings him into the woods to show him, like, well, my mom died, and my dog died, and now my dad killed himself and everything. And when this is where, like, Sebastian Stan sees that, and then he brings the light up to see the crucifix, and that's where you see that Jack is actually, like, crucified up on the cross. Fucking Jesus. Yeah, as a horror, like a pure horror image. And, and he's like, what is this? And what does he call it, like a prayer log? Yeah. Is that what he called it? Like, yeah, prayer, prayer log. log. And he's like, yeah, don't work none too good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> like, no fucking shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, that whole section of the story, you know, it's just kind of like, it's laying the stage for everything's going to happen later, you know? Mm -hmm. You understand, like, the character motivations going forward. But um, <clears throat> that that whole sequence um, kind of comes to a close with Arvin being sent to live with his grandparents, Willard's mother. And of course, Willard's mother, years before, agreed to watch Lenore. Um, and, you know, Helen didn't come back. So now... Arvin and Lenore are essentially like a brother and sister type, even though they're not related. Yeah. In any way. This is a stepsister, he says. Stepsister. Like, but no one has taught me anything. <clears throat> I know where this all went. <laughs> this this all seemed strikingly familiar. Step bro, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Like, why is this show turned into this? <laughs> What is yeah, the where, subject matter, dude? We're talking about the devil all the time. We gotta bring up yeah, the sins of today. For not being taboo, we're not we're not living up to our our duties to the Dark Lord. Um Yeah, no, I, I so yeah, they're not they're not really related. Um Lenore they they do a time jump ahead. Lenore is played by uh Eliza Scanlon, who is from uh, Sharp Objects, which is an HBO miniseries that I highly recommend. I like that one a lot. Did you oh, watch she's that? In that one? Yeah, she was like uh, Amy Adams's uh, sister there. Oh, okay. That was, uh, you know. Yeah, I read the book. Kind of hoeing about. I tried to watch it. Um, <coughs> it's just slow. <coughs> I didn't get through it. I like Sharp I Objects. I like that one. I enjoyed the book. Yeah. I like the ending of that. A lot. It was, like, very jarring. Mm. Made you feel like... You're like, oh, man, like, I wonder what the next season will be like. And it's like, no, we're not doing the next season. We're just leaving you with, like, endless possibilities. Which was fun. Um, 
<clears throat> so yeah, that kind of like closes out the early parts of the story. Wait, fuck. I think I did finish it. Did you? I think so. Yeah. I don't know why I vaguely remember finishing it now, even though like I just remember not. The teeth tiles? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you read the, if you read the book, you probably, unless it deviated completely from yeah. the book, you probably know that mm-hmm. anyways. But, yeah, it was fucking crazy. But, yeah, you know, Eliza Scanlon is Lenore. Tom Holland is now Arvin. <clears throat> and Jason Clark and Riley Coe were still out there uh, victimizing hitchhikers mm-hmm. all over town. Um, and we find out that Riley Coe is kind of an essential part of them continuing to get away from this, or, or away with this, because her brother is Sebastian Stan's deputy, who's now the sheriff, and he doesn't want any scandals, mm-hmm. so anything she does, he covers up so that he can remain the sheriff. Which is pretty, you know, it's a, it's a tangled web that they're, like, setting out there, you know? It's pretty cool. Um, then what do we have? We have the preacher of the, of their local church that the grandmother attends is, I think, sick, infirm, unwell, so they bring on a new guy to do it, and I honestly, at that point in the movie, so much shit had happened that I forgot that Robert Pattinson was in it. And then they're like, oh, we're bringing in a new preacher. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who's going to play him. And then all of a sudden I was like, it's fucking Robert Pattinson. Uh-huh. I fucking forgot he was in this, you know? <laughs> and it blew my mind. And I was like, this cast is stacked. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so good. There's so many great people in it. And there are people that, like, are in it that didn't get to work together. So, like, Bill Skarsgård is Tom Holland's dad. But, like, they never, they were never, they, they might not have ever been on set at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? Um... So yeah, Robert Pattinson shows up, and he is uh, arguably the only decent person in the entire film. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Probably <laughs> 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 one of the worst. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was uh, I was really blown away by by his performance too. Mm. He was. I want to talk like more about performances like later, but what like Robert Pattinson comes on the scene. And he's this vaguely Elvis-esque preacher man. Um, And he's got, like, a big old, like, bear belly. It looks really strange on him because he's, like, kind of wiry, you know? Um, And, you know, he seems... You know, at first he seems, like, too good to be true. And then... uh, Arvin's grandmother gives him the dish that she made and it's like chicken livers because it's what she could afford. Yeah. And he like dips his finger in it and like sips off of it. And then I thought this was just cool because I like Red Dead Redemption. But, uh, I mean, do you know what happens to the main character in Red Dead Redemption 2? No. You don't? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. So the, the... the piece of scripture that he he says is if you get the high honor ending in Red Dead Redemption 2, that's what's on Arthur's tombstone. Is, uh, is uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I really like this guy. 
And then things took a turn because he started talking to the congregation and started talking about like how Jesus would sacrifice himself for his people and he was going to sacrifice himself and make sure that everybody got to have good food and he was going to eat the chicken livers because fuck Arvin's grandmother. Mm -hmm. She's a bitch, you know, like just the worst. Just the word. It was so fucking. That whole sequence was so grueling and like just sad. And I felt so bad for his grandmother. She'd never done anything to nobody, no how. And well, this dude that, like they, just shit all over. They talk about her and how everybody likes her and you know how everybody enjoys her cooking. Right. Right. Yeah. And she was like, I didn't know how to crack an egg until the hands of God that guided me to do this. And you mm-hmm. know, apparently she's like crediting God with her ability to cook. Right. She just takes the hands. That's how it works, right? Yeah. So it's like, we're just not responsible for any of our actions. It's just, it's all God. So we just do whatever the fuck we want. Like, God did it. Yep. All my talents, all my indiscretions. Yep. God. God. It's all God, man. <clears throat> but anyway. Yeah. yeah. So apparently she's a really good cook, and he just shits all over it. Yeah, and, 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 like, I feel like it's interesting, too, because Arvin's, like, you know, he was gobbling those down so fast, he probably just didn't want anybody to have any of it. So, like, maybe he did taste it and was like, was wow, that's delicious. really fucking good, yeah. and I'm going to have that, you know? Mm-hmm. But I also want to frame it like I am taking one for the team so that I seem pious, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. like, a douchebag move all around. Like, no matter how you look at it, douchebag, self-serving. And then you think that that's it, you know? Like, you think, oh, that's probably as bad as he'll get, right? And then, no, he just keeps getting worse mm. and worse. Um, he sees Lenore, who goes to visit her mother's grave outside the churchyard. Every day after school. Every day after school. And he is, like, just watching her and watching her. And then it starts raining. And then she, like, goes to run up onto the porch of the church. And then he's, like... He, he, like, opens the door to the church. He's like, hey, what's going on and everything? And she starts talking about her troubles. And he sees an opening and is like, hey, you know what? Uh, there's this secluded place in the middle of nowhere that I like to take people that don't know what they're doing uh, and are naive so that I can victimize them. Mm-hmm. And I would like to take you there, too. Only he doesn't use those words. He says, I- I'd like to pray with you in the woods. And she goes, okay, thanks. And then he basically, like, commences, like, molestation and then uh, kind of a... position of power to manipulate her into... Yeah, it's, yeah. it's coercive and it, um, you know, it, it, it would be, at least in modern terms, it would be considered at least statutory rape, mm-hmm. you know. She does seem like she's a willing participant at first, you know. But it is, it's like a coercive thing right. to make that happen, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, and then, it, it like, it turns out that this is just what Robert Pattinson does. Mm-hmm. Like, as a human being, as an actor, yeah. in real life, this is who Robert Pattinson is. It's funny I said that to Haley because she's <laughs> a big Robert Pattinson fan. Yeah. Movie, I was like... How do you feel about your boy now? You know he's a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Pattinson is canceled. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be weird. Like, it's funny. Like, it's gonna be weird seeing him as Batman now. Because I'm just like, what a fucking scumbag. Yeah, what a piece of shit. <laughs> you know, I know what you did. Robert Pattinson in real life has not done any of those things, as far as we know. Yes. So. Yeah. This so. is this is 
simply Tea Garden. This is his last name. Tea Garden. Which is really weird. T e a g a r d i m. I don't like that. I don't like that name. Yeah. So yeah, Tea Garden. Um, this is just what he does, and it becomes clear that uh, he also has a a wife that um, that he, I think he's like a sex addict. It was weird. I watched an interview, mm-hmm. and the director said like he's arguably the only person that isn't struggling with anything, and I'm like, ah, uh, no. That's not what I see. I see somebody that's like completely uh, vulnerable to their own desires. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he's struggling to not. I I mean, I I think he's going with it, but I also. I I, at a certain point, like a sex addict will victimize themselves. You know what I mean? So I kind of felt like that's what I was seeing in him, like not somebody that was consciously like looking to do the things that he was doing, but just somebody that like they they needed they chased that feeling so intensely that they couldn't stop, you know. It's like a not it's not enough that I've, you know, it's not enough that Lenore, you know, it's like, oh, there's this other girl too. Mm-hmm. And this and other girl wife. too. And then this wife. Yeah. And then like it's like you know, like somebody that is a glutton, you know, for that. And it's like, it's funny. Bonafide pervert. Robert Pattinson talking about um, the character, how they focus on that moment of him dipping his fingers in the oil and the grease and eating that. And him saying that, like, it was like a specific thing that he wanted to do where it's like somebody that like, ingests heavy fuel in order to function. You know what I mean? Like, somebody that, like, needs that in order to... Like, it would... Like, he's talking about, like, oh, I'm giving you guys the white meat, so I just have to eat this oily, uh, fatty, you know, stuff that nobody wants. But Mm -hmm. it's, like, secretly, no, I I want that. Mm -hmm. I don't want clean white meat. I want, you know, the stuff that is bad for you, Mm -hmm. you know? It's interesting. They have an odd little detail. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. He was interesting. Like, as a... I think Robert Pattinson is somebody that, for a long time, I underestimated. I've seen him in a couple things now, and I've been like, yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. This is the first time I've ever seen him in something, and I was like, he was great. Really liked what he did with that part. I felt like... And again, it's always easier to play yourself. So, it all makes sense. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's like everything, you're looking at all these stories and you don't see how they're going to fit together, which I think is kind of a strength. I like that feeling of like, I don't know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they uh, basically, Lenore becomes pregnant. Uh, because of what they've done, he's like, you've got to find a way to get rid of that baby, you know, because, and, and he claims that he has no knowledge of what she's talking about. Like, how the fuck could you have gotten pregnant? All we did was pray to God, mm-hmm. you know, like he's trying to trick her like she's fucking stupid. And he says that it, her grandmother will not be able to survive the embarrassment and everything, so you got to find a way to get rid of the baby. And then she 
is distraught, doesn't know what to do, decides she's going to kill herself. She puts herself on a bucket with the rope around her neck in the like in like a shed or barn or whatever. And uh, right before she steps off, she's like, no, I'm not going to do this. Like, I, I, I've changed my mind. And uh, she tries to take the rope off and then she fucking slips off the fucking thing right. and she accidentally hangs herself. Mm-hmm. That's how Arvin finds her. And then Arvin, you know, he, this whole thing has been built up over and over that he's protecting his sister. You yeah, know, always say, protecting his sister. Very, very protective of her. People that pick on her. At yeah. School, he's gotten fights and dude, he beat the fuck out of those guys. It was so satisfying to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. like his daddy taught him. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. I. I. I, I want to step back through the relationship with Bill Skarsgård and young Arvin to Arvin as an adult too. Um. But yeah, so he, you know, having been protective of his sister this entire time, he winds up going and um, kind of confronting Robert Pattinson. At first, he's just going to shoot him, but then, like, he actually, like, kind of baits him into a conversation. He's like, no, this motherfucker has to know why I'm doing this. Yeah, and then, like, he slowly starts describing things that he's done, and as the conversation continues, Robert Pattinson's starting to realize, like, you were describing my life. Yeah, because he asks, he's like, I need to confess yeah. Sins. And he starts saying all this. He's like, I did this. I have this and this and this. But yeah, it's all the stuff that yeah. Pattinson's character has done. Yeah. And he's like, wait a second. Yeah. And then Tom Holland pulls that. out. I love that. Yeah. Tom Holland so pulls cool. out his father's uh, Luger that he brought home from the war. And, uh, you know, there was something very satisfying about seeing Robert Pattinson groveling. You know, him just being like, well, wait, no, hold on now, hold on now, now, uh, you know, I, I did not do anything, y- your sister's crazy, you know, all this shit, mm-hmm. and then, uh, I think he, I, he almost, he might have been alright, if he hadn't have thrown the Bible at him, because when he throwed the Bible at him, I, 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 I think the reason that things reached the fever pitch, I don't, I don't know that Arvin would have done it, you I'm not sure. So? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I I, I think that he had a... I think it would have been a righteous kill, but I also feel like there was enough hesitation from Tom Holland that I feel like he was sort of like, I don't know whether I'm going to do this. But Robert Pattinson throws the Bible and, like, spooks him, and when he spooks him, he winds up shooting him, like, kind of through the hand. Um, And then he comes around the side of the pew... And he has to, like, reload, like, he has to, I think the gun jammed or something. He has to, like, fucking finagle with it again. Yeah. And then he winds up shooting him twice more. And that causes Arvin to run. And Arvin, to get out of town, becomes a hitchhiker. And he gets picked up by Jason Clark and Riley Coe. I, and... I saw that coming. I saw the piece. I'm like, they're going to try and pick him up. And they're going to fuck with the wrong person. I didn't know what, where it was going to go. Yeah, I was at this like, point... Riley Coe is just like over it, and she's been trying to get away. Yes, from Jason Clark, and even dropping dimes and shit, calling and yeah. saying like we buried him in this place, you know. Um, yeah, so she's she's you know disillusioned with all the fucking shit that Jason Clark does, um, but they pick him up anyways, and the. It's interesting. So, they are driving down the road, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta take a leak, you know. So you should pull off, 
the next right here. And she's like, this one? And he's like, no, 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 not that one. The next one, the one further up. And uh, that's like the moment where it seems like Tom Holland's like, wait, why? Why not this one? You're just going to take a leak. So why does it need to be a special place? Like, So that already like has clued him into like, okay, something weird's going on. And then when they stop the car, Jason Clark gets out. And as he gets out, he sees the gun tucked in the back of his pants. And that's when Arvin's like, okay, something really seriously wrong might be happening. Um, so he's acting calm and nonchalant. Jason Clark goes to the back of the car and is getting something out of the back. And Arvin's already taken out the Luger and like has prepared himself for what might be going down. When Jason Clark comes back around to the side of the car, he's like, hey, why don't you, uh, and he opens the door, and when he does, Arvin, like, spins on the seat, he kicks the door, so Jason Clark falls back, and then he shoots him twice, bam, bam, Riley Coe's like, what the fuck, what the fuck, she grabs her gun out of her purse, and they wind up, like, you know, like, on, like, a Mexican standoff, like, her in the front passenger corner of the car, and him in the back driver seat of the car aiming and moments before that the narrator reveals that she like has a mind to kill jason clark's character and right off with uh arvin there yeah which would have been nice but unfortunately she's a bit young but she'll make it work yeah yeah right I'm like, Fuck. yeah well every i don't know i it's different I don't, yeah i don't know but I, I i felt very much like that would have been like a like a I mean, she's obviously done terrible things. So, in the in the eyes of of whatever morality does exist, and I don't think that it's necessarily God in this movie. I don't think that that's it. I think it's like some type of cosmic darkness that keeps, you know, that gives people what they're what they're meant to get. You know, mm-hmm. um, but he's saying, "I don't want to shoot you. I don't want to shoot you." And she's saying, "He's saying, put the gun down." And she's saying, "I can't. I can't. I can't." And then finally. Uh, they both fire at each other and then they do like a step back where you realize that Jason Clark no longer trusted her so he loaded her gun with blanks so Arvin's fine Mm -hmm. she has been shot through the throat Mm -hmm. and she is not fine Uh, spoiler alert Uh, you get shot through the throat you're not fine Um, but then it's like then they tie in the sheriff the sheriff goes and finds her dead and and uh, his brother-in-law dead, and then uh, he gets a call from the other town about the preacher that was killed, and then he's starting to piece together that, like, oh, it's that Arvin kid. Uh-huh. Um, and he winds up going back to the property where it kind of all started, specifically in the woods with the with the prayer log. And they have, like, their final, like, showdown, uh, which isn't really, like, a. it's not, like, a big... It, it's a, It's not... It's not like a showdown like you've been building towards the entire thing. You've, you've known that that was coming. But it's like, here's somebody who did whatever he could to protect his sister. And then she died. And then he's, you know, he's sought out revenge for it. And here's somebody else that had been protecting his sister this entire time from the repercussions of her actions. And now someone's killed her. And he's going out in the woods to seek revenge on that person. So it's like there's like a mirroring happening you know um and somehow 
in a competition between a shotgun and a Luger, uh, Tom Holland hits Bucky, and Bucky mits, hits uh, misses wide right by a mile, uh, well, and shoots the log. The log. Yeah, yeah. The log, yeah, it was like there no nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Not a, not a pellet in Tom Holland. Well, <clears throat> I feel like he hit a nerve when Tom Holland was trying to talk him down. Yeah. I feel like he had a nerve, and he just fucking, just like his emotions got the best of him. He just turned out and then just fired. Was it when know? he said his sister wasn't a good person yeah. either? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he grabs the evidence. Tom Holland grabs the evidence. Arvin there grabs the evidence of, like, they were doing fucked up shit. Yeah. He, you know, they the narrator even glosses over it. He's like, he'd like to hope that the cops would just, like, believe that the murders were unjust. You know, that he had left behind right. clues or whatever. Yeah. That these people were no good. Yeah. It's like, even with hardcore evidence, you can't trust that it's always going to work out. No, and especially, like, like cops are human. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, the he's reacting in sort of a similar instinctual way that Tom Holland was about his sister, you know? So, you know, I guess it, it tracks, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just what happens. But, um... But yeah, after that, I I thought this was weird. Tom Holland takes his Luger and he hides it. He he takes he collects his dog's bones because nobody ever took the dog down off the fucking cross. Mm. Just, just like insult to injury. Collects the dog's bones and he buries them. And then he or he starts to bury them when he's interrupted by Sebastian Stan showing up. Then, um, after he kills Sebastian Stan. He brings the Luger and he puts it in the ground with the dog's bones and then he buries it. Picks up his shit, goes back out to the street, starts thumbing for a ride and gets picked up by another hitchhiker. Now, from a logic standpoint, there's no fucking way I would part with that gun and then go hitchhiking. After everything that you have seen, you'd hold on to that gun. Unless you have a death wish. Unless he was out of bullets get more i don't know yeah but you sh- you can find you can it's it you can find more i feel like that was kind of like um a way of him like burying his dad too i refuse to kill time. again and yeah i mean it does like it's a symbolic thing but where's, from a realistic standpoint yeah every fucking thing that you've seen you got picked up by hitchhikers they tried to kill you like a police officer tried to fucking kill you a preacher yeah like did to- your sister and multiple women. Right. So it's like, at that point, it's like, I wouldn't trust anybody and I would be, like, quick on the draw for the rest of my life, you know? Mm. As soon as I got, like, even a whiff that something was up, you know, i just start blasting. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I just started blasting. Yeah. I asked for a large and the cup was a medium and that's when I thought to myself, they're trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I just went buck wild. Mm. Um... Yeah, so that's kind of the overview of of the movie. That's all the story that's really there. There's corruption everywhere. Even the people, you know, growing up, you told the police, you know, if you're religious, you know, the preachers, like, those are, like, the purest form of good. Those are, like, the protectors, the people that are watching over you. And right. It highlights the corruption in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't trust anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. Nope. Even if they're a podcast co-host, just can't trust them, man. Wait, which one of us is the co-host? 
Yeah, so now that we have, like, the story stuff out of the way, because I, I this one feels different than some of the other ones. Like, if you're like, we're doing Bill and Ted face the music, it's a straight shot. Sort of linear. Um, even Tenet was relatively linear. Um, this is one where it's jumping around all over the place, so it's really easy to, like, miss things that should be highlighted more closely, right? Um, I want to talk about Bill Skarsgård a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about it. It. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about um, it. I really liked his performance. Actually, I, I, I got to say, there's not a single performance in here that I didn't like. I feel like everybody was top-notch. Good, good shit. Um, but Bill Skarsgård, I really liked... You could sense, like, the tortured quality to him, you know? And, like, the the sense of, like, somebody that had just been through some horrible shit, you know? And, and uh, is trying to, like, make a life that's a little bit better for himself, a little bit better for the people around him, you know? And I, I, I like that. And I also like that they're able to make you sort of forget that he's a marine almost like i think i think you don't necessarily clock him as particularly dangerous especially the moment where he starts um he starts he brings the sun out to the prayer log and it's before everything turns to shit um But he brings them out there in, like, two poachers, they call them. I would have called them hunters, but I guess they were considered poachers. Mm -hmm. The narrator calls them that. Um, are walking by, and they make, like, some rude suggestions. One of them, in particular, makes some rude suggestions about the dude's wife. Yeah. And it was like, oh, Jesus, like, what's going to happen? And then, like, he doesn't do shit. And I was like, wow, what a fucking... What is this about? Like, why? Yeah, I know the guy's got guns, but, you know... I wouldn't hang out there for the rest of the day like they did. Yeah. He just says, like, Arvin, like, notices the guys, and and Willard's just like, no, you pay attention. You focus on God. This is God's time right now. And it's like, all right, whatever. But I just thought it was really weird, and, like, it sort of made me second-guess, like, I knew that he was a Marine, but that was the point where I was like, maybe I don't, maybe I don't know what I think about him anymore. Maybe I don't think of him the way that I did before. And then uh, they wind up, he winds up taking Arvin out one day, and they pull up to, it looks like, a, there's like picnic table areas outside of some type of maybe convenience store, maybe, something like that? Yeah, I don't know. It, the narrator said they lived like kind of like on the outskirts of this town, and like we never really considered a part of it. So it just seemed like it was like a little town area. Yeah. You know, the people just, just all the towns folk hung out at. Yeah. And uh, he pulls off the side of the road. He tells Arvin to roll his window up, uh, presumably to keep Jack from jumping out. Mm. Um, and then it's just that shot of Bill Skarsgård coming around the side of the truck. And it's just like, there is nothing but ill intent in that dude. Like, it just, like a fucking steam locomotive mm-hmm. going across that lawn. Dude barely sees him coming, like, sees him in the last five feet and stands up and is like, hey, what the? F-? And then 
Bill Skarsgård just goes, boom, big left hand, and just bam, bam, and just keeps fucking laying it down on this fucking guy. Winds up sticking his fucking head in the mud and yeah. almost, like, drowning him God, in the fucking dirt. Him. He's gonna kill him. Yeah, and then he grabs the rifle, and he walks up. The other guy is like, run to his car and is trying to take off. He walks up and he smashes the window with the butt of the rifle and then he like re-angles and he gets the butt of the rifle through the crack in the window and hits the dude in the fucking head with it once mm-hmm. and then twice and then starts walking away and he throws the rifle off across the street and then he gets in the car and, and Arvin had been picked on uh, by kids at school and he told him, you know, the next time that happens, you know, That's do something about it, yeah. you know. And this is, like, the lesson that he imparts to his son is yeah, the sure. idea of pick your time, pick, pick time. your moment, mm-hmm. and do, you know, do, act, you know. And uh, the narrator says, he, he says, you know, let's go get you a candy bar or something, like, completely change a mood, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that the narrator talks about it, and he's like, Arvin would later recall this as being one of the best days he'd ever spent with his father. I really liked that moment. Like, that that whole sequence made me... I don't know. There's something about you just witnessed your father commit intense violence upon people. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, I'm going to buy you a candy bar. Like, yeah. we're going to have a good day. And, and your memory of it is like, wow, remember that day... That dad almost beat two people to death and then bought me a candy bar. Yeah. That was great. Charleston Chew. Nonetheless. That was a great day. You know? That's a beautiful... That's beautiful. I feel like that's what a father is. Well, taught him to stand up for himself and protect the people he loves. Yep. You know? Back then, I mean, clearly, the police weren't doing much. You know? No. They were just as corrupt. You know, from what we've seen, just for that one guy, you know? Yeah. The other ones. But, you know, it's... Kind of taught him lesson. You can't depend on anyone else to protect you except for yourself. And also, like I kind of look. There's a lot of things in today's society that are fucking great, but there's also something real nice and simple about the way that things used to work. Mm. Because that's a legitimate threat. What they said about his wife. Every time he leaves the house. He's going to think about what could happen. There's no cell phone you know? or anything. Right. You wouldn't be able to call for help. Mm-hmm. You know something? I respect it. I respect that move. Mm-hmm. Go down there. Make a statement. Let them know. This is what happens when you talk about my family. Mm-hmm. Imagine what happens if you do something to them. Yeah. I'll fucking destroy you. You know? And nobody says anything. Everybody's just like, yeah, he's right. Don't fucking talk shit about his family. Keep your mouth shut. Stay away from him. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know? That's how things should work. And now we've become civilized. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't appreciate it at all. Everybody's calling the cops as soon as you say, like, listen, motherfucker. And everybody's fucking like, we got it. We need help. You know, I I hate it. Uh, uh, Pansy ass fucking society that we live in. Um, Ron just wants to beat the shit out of everybody. Everybody. I don't fucking care. (laughs) (laughs) We got to call the police. Pussy. It's all, it's, it's, the only reason I want it, though, and I want to be really clear about this, is because of Satan. <laughs> Satan is the reason that I want to do that. I got the devil in me. Um, help me. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, no, I love that. I feel like this movie does artful violence. In the right hands. Like, 
It's interesting. There's there's like a difference in this movie about the framing of righteous violence and senseless violence. You know, like Arvin's righteous violence when he pay, when he takes out the not takes out, but he he beats up the bullies that were giving his sister a hard time. He waits for his moment, and then he's just a fucking brutally relentless. Like, <laughs> uh, but it's righteous. It's like don't pick on people that are weaker than you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and that framing is the same as the Bill Skarsgård framing, where it feels like, yeah, this is appropriate. And then there's the inappropriate framing of, like, what Jason Clark and Riley Coe, they only really show one victim uh, in motion. But it's fucking grotesque, that whole that whole uh, moment there. With the soldier who's a yeah. recruit? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, I think he was new, right? Yeah, he's he was hitchhiking to go yeah. to 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 go to his you know, his where he was enlisted, I don't know mm-hmm. what you would call it. But that moment doesn't feel it feels like a like a schwacky horror movie, the way that the camera's framed, like the way that they have it's like a Dutch angle. Um and Riley Coe is standing there, like, putting her clothes back on, not looking. And Jason Clark is, like, climbing on top of this dude. And is like, don't grab the... Don't touch the camera, you know? And is trying to take pictures of this dude, like, crying and weeping. And, mm-hmm. like, behind Jason Clark, you can see pretty clearly that they fucking chopped the shit out of that dude's genitals. I was going to say, yeah. It was horrifying. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely horrifying. And just... I don't know. Just relentlessly brutal and sad mm-hmm. you know there's something really gross about that and like the way that the way that the narrator describes Jason Clark saying that like this was his religion you know mm-hmm. that like that was the only time hurting those people is what made him feel close to something like God you know yeah. which is disturbing a lot of it's a lot of different like commentaries on belief systems in this movie, mm-hmm. you know. But it's on point for what you hear from serial killers, you know. A lot of serial killers kill because that makes them feel alive, you know. It's grotesque. Mm-hmm. I thought Jason Clark was really good at that as that character too, like just this very backwoodsy uh, kind of like boogeyman I mean you could tell something was up when you first saw him that first interaction that he had with with Riley Coe and he was almost looking at her like he was trying to figure out if she was food exactly you know and then he realized like no you're like the utensil you know Uh you're you're something that I can use to feed myself Uh you know yeah I don't know disturbing such a weird, like, a uh, weird mode of operation, too. Like, the using her as bait to get the guy's guards down, then being like, Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna fuck my wife. I'm gonna take some pictures, you know? And you're like, All right, I guess, you know, <laughs> I'll do that. Um, and then, like, the turn where 
they don't make it clear who's doing what. You know, I don't know if Riley Coe is is chopping them or if he's chopping them. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But it just it turns into, like, a bloodbath, like a like Devil's Rejects-type fucking horror out in the woods. You get, like, a very nice, unexpected, like, wow, I'm making love to Riley Coe. And then ten minutes later, you're like, my dick's gone. Mm-hmm. You know? Pretty horrible. Yeah. Can't have light without dark. Flip side to every coin. It's a catch twenty-two. Yeah, they don't show like from beginning to end, but they show like a lot of like the aftermath too. Yeah. Then they go through the the film strip there. Yeah. Just all the victims. There was a lot, a lot of people, and like some of them I couldn't tell if they were the same person or not, but they were like, looked like there were multiple, multiple. There were many. There There were many. many. Yeah, they were evil. True. Yeah, you know, I don't know how much, like you said, I don't know how much she was involved entirely in terms of murdering them. I mean, she looked pretty happy in most, like, at least, like, when it first started. Yeah. Like, she was just fucking down. Yeah. I know, the pictures seem like she's pleased with herself, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, the pictures of hunters with their feet up on top of a fucking lion's head or something. Like, that's what she looked like. You know? Trophy kill. Yeah, and I... I don't know. They don't get into the specifics of what all happens, but it is um, it is garish, you know. And I I was when I was watching it, I felt like um, when Tom Holland was like getting the the gun ready, when he realized like, oh, I'm what's for dinner, um. There's always this thing about, like, politeness, right? Like, I'm not advocating to not be polite. What I am advocating for is to to act if you feel like something's wrong, mm-hmm. right? If you're suspicious about something, don't spend time questioning whether you're going to do something about it, all right? Just make the decision. So, when I was watching it, I kind of was wondering if Tom Holland was doomed. Like, if they were going to get the drop on him and things weren't going to go well. And the only reason that he he didn't get it... I always pride myself, if I watch a movie and I feel like I would have survived, I, I'm always proud of myself. And I feel like I would have survived that one, too. Because he moved at exactly the point that I would have, mm-hmm. you know. Like I, I, you're in the middle of nowhere with two people that you don't know. You know, one of them has a gun. You know, it's not, you, you don't feel right about what's going on, and it's like I would 100% be the shoot first, ask questions later kind of person. Like mm-hmm. I, I understand that that guy could have just been like, "Hey, you know what we should do is have a picnic," and I would have just shot him. But at the same time, I'm like, "Why do you have a gun?" You know what I mean? Like, what what the fuck is happening right mm-hmm. now? What is happening? I definitely would have done the same thing. 100%. And it ties directly into, uh, you know, we talked about that in the invitation. Yes. You know? Yeah. He's like, why is everybody being so fucking polite? Like, something's not right here. Yeah. It's not curiosity to kill the cat. It's politeness. <clears throat> like, you can be curious about, like, oh, they want to have a dinner party. Cool, let's go to the dinner party. Mm-hmm. It's not the curiosity... 
that brought you to the dinner party that's going to get you killed. It's the fact that all throughout the dinner party you've known that something was wrong and you just keep ignoring it because you don't want people to think that you think that they're fucking scumbags. It's like, there's no... I'm sorry. It's life or death. You know? If you start to feel uncomfortable about some shit, like, you do what you gotta do. You know? I would never... I would never let something go longer than it needs to. Yeah. You know? That's why... You see Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal Animals has a scene that when I first saw it, I was so fucking mad, I had to get up and walk out of the room. <laughs> like, I had to leave. Because I was like, why didn't you do something? Uh-huh. You could have done something about this, and you chose to act like things were normal. Well, you're going to have in the back of your head there. You're going to be like, well, what if I'm wrong? What you if know? I do something wrong? And then da da da. Yeah. It's not how I work. Yeah. It's not how I work. I have my reasons. I know why I did it. I was fucking uncomfortable. They were going to do something. Ask them. But oh, wait, you if, can't. But what if they weren't? <laughs> but what if he could have been asking to, He could have been asking Tom Holland for a picnic. Yeah. He could have. He could have. On the other hand, he could have been about to chop his dick off. Yeah. Those are the things that go through my head every time a stranger talks to me. They're either going to ask me to have a picnic, or, or they're going to try to yeah. <laughs> they're going to try to chop up my genitals. These are the it's life or death. It's a struggle. You gotta make your choices. I've made mine. I will always act first. <laughs> and now you're a murderer. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why that stranger was talking to me, okay? Yeah. Like you were at a convenience store and you were paying for for for, for a soda. And I'm like, I know. That's all I wanted to do. But then he tried to strike up a conversation. I didn't know what he was up to. I had to do what I had to do. That paranoia sets in. Yeah. Not today, motherfucker. Yeah. Make Not today, Jesus. Like somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus ain't gonna get me today. Yeah. Jesus is the bad guy. Of course he is. You know who the good guy is? The devil. All the time. And Finn. And Finn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's a great movie, though. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I don't feel like I've seen... I didn't look this up, but I feel like I should look up Antonio Campos's other... Um, other works. Because I, I, I don't feel like I've seen anything else from him. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. It's a strong outing. Top to bottom, start to finish... Good. Highly also, recommend. Bill Skarsgård. Um, I guess the kid that played Arvin. Mm-hmm. Um, the director had to like talk with the kid and his mom, and was like, "Hey, um, I just want you to know that um, you know we're going to be dealing with some dark things in this movie, and are you scared? You know, like does it scare you?" And the kid was like, no, I'm not scared of anything. Except, well, there's one thing that I'm scared of. And he was like, okay, what, what, what is it? And he was like, Pennywise. I'm terrified of Pennywise. And he was like, okay. And then he like had to go to Bill Skarsgård and he was like, this kid's afraid of Pennywise. And he was like, don't tell him that you're Pennywise. And then I guess uh, that scene where he brings him out into the woods and is making him pray to his, for his mother... 
and like hits him in the back of the head that that moment I guess like before they started filming that Bill Skarsgård was like hey you want to know something funny and the kid was like what and he was like I'm Pennywise and he gave him the smile and let his eye do the fucking thing no 100% I'm telling you the truth yeah so he asks this kid what he's scared of and he just happens to say Pennywise yep not knowing not knowing that Bill Skarsgård was was Pennywise Pennywise yep and then Bill Skarsgård was like, there's one scene in particular where we need him to be scared. Uh-huh. So that's when I'm going to give him that information. Damn. Yeah. That's Bill Skarsgård's cool. devious, man. I re- I, again, mad respect. <laughs> <laughs> you got to choose when to scare the bejesus out of children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great move. Smart. Uh-huh. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> I guess they said he said it to him and, and like showed him that he was Pennywise, mm-hmm. and the kid was like, "Oh wow, that's cool." And then like they started the scene, and they could tell that the kid was like kind of nervous. And yeah. then like as Bill started getting more intense, uh, I guess the kid wasn't supposed to start crying until like a little bit further into it, uh-huh. and uh, he went he went way early. Wow, earlier than they thought he would. <laughs> but yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's pretty fucking good. Bill Skarsgård. I like him a lot. I really do. <laughs> you ever see him? You should look up videos of him on the set with the kid that played um, Georgie. Because mm-hmm. um, that kid was excited to meet Pennywise. Like, really excited. Wanted to meet Pennywise. And they kept going, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because they were afraid he was going to be scared. But at that point, he'd already been cast as Georgie for, like, months and months and months. And he, like, fucking broke down, was, like, crying and yelling and was like, I want to meet him. I want to meet him. Like, why won't you let me meet him? And then they finally brought him over and, like, Bill was in sweatpants and, like, a tank top, right? And, uh, but he had the full clown makeup on. And it's just, like, the cutest thing. The kid's like, hi. And he's like, hey, Georgie. And he, like, walks over and he's like, how you doing, buddy? And they're, like, having a conversation. He wound up, like, picking him up, and they were, like, talking and stuff. And he's like, we're going to have fun today? And he's like, yeah, you know? And it was, like, just the sweetest, most wholesome thing. And then presumably 15 minutes later, he was, like, eating Georgie. <laughs> no shit. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. It's pretty funny. It is fun. All right, guys. So yeah. I think that brings an end to this episode of WT Fada. I feel like we've been getting quick with these. Is this a short one? I know. We talked a lot about this movie. Yeah. But I think we covered what we needed to. Yeah. Highly recommend The Devil All the Time. Not just the movie, to be clear. Hail Satan. Yes! Bye, guys. Bye.